0: Welcome back to It's Haunted, What Now? I'm your host, Lainey. Haunted homes, hotels, and apartments are some of my favorite stories to read about. Why, you may ask? It's because home is where the heart is, or so they say. Except now your home slash heart is now haunted. The place you're supposed to feel the safest has been compromised, I don't know how that doesn't just send chills right down your spine. Okay, ready to get spooked? k to win had an unexplainable encounter happen right outside of their apartment in Germany. of thinking about this encounter and finding absolutely no lead to any explanation, I thought about writing it in here and at least maybe somehow talking about it might help. Maybe there is someone out there who had a similar experience. Years ago, I lived in a small city in Germany. The city has about 30,000 citizens, so it's totally not one of the big major cities like Berlin, Hamburg, or Munich, but still too big for people to know everybody. In about 2011, I used to live in an apartment right in the center of town at the one big street crossing we have. At daytime, the crossing is full of cars, buses, and trucks because it is the biggest main road of the town, which people use to get to other cities. It is basically one big road right through the whole town, and my apartment was right where another road crossed it. In that year, I was looking for a job and didn't have anything to do most of the time. My friends were working and busy all day and I was bored. I had time for my hobbies and focused on finding a job. One of my best friends at that time, in fact my only female friend, used to work in a hotel and pretty regularly had night shifts. Since my lazy ass didn't want to wake up until 12am or later every day, I was up until midnight on a merely daily basis. In order to get to work, she was walking. She had to take the road where my apartment was, right across the big crossing and further straight down the road. That's why, after some time, we started meeting outside of my apartment after her late shifts. At least two to three times a week, we were standing outside in the middle of the night at about 1 a.m. at the big crossing, smoking and talking about our days for a good 10 to 15 minutes. I already said that the town where we used to live is pretty small, so the traffic at that hour even at the biggest crossing we have, is very little. Sometime in those 15 minutes of talking, we would see just one car passing the crossing. Sometimes more, sometimes none. The traffic lights were still on until around 2 a.m., if I remember right. So that happening couldn't have been later than that. One pretty usual night, she texted me. I came down with cigarettes. We talked. We laughed. We joked and did everything that we used to do every time we were meeting at that hour. The traffic was very little again and we almost didn't pay any attention to our surroundings. But all of a sudden, she started staring at the middle of the crossing. Her mouth didn't close anymore. She stopped talking in the middle of her sentence. I immediately checked the crossing. A guy in a black coat, walking in the middle of a huge crossing, Not using the sidewalk, but the real street where the cars would be driving. His coat was leather, very long, and he was wearing a hat. He looked pretty young. If I would have to guess, I'd say not older than 25. He was pretty tall, a bit taller than me, and not fat or too slim. He looked fit. His leather boots echoed through the empty crossing. He was walking as if he had a mission very confident and steady. I remember his hat being a black version of the Indiana Jones hat and his coat looked like the one from the Matrix movies or maybe even like The Undertaker from WWE. His way of walking reminded me of the juggernaut from Marvel because with every big step, his shoulders would swing back and forth. He had a mean but young face and it was definitely human. He appeared so quick We didn't see or hear him coming. In an instant, we just saw him walking on the road. From our left to the right of the crossing where two cars were waiting for the light to switch to green. It was already weird enough for us to see someone not obeying the traffic laws and jaywalking over a huge crossing. But on top of that, wearing that outfit and marching straight toward the waiting cars. We couldn't stop looking with our mouths open, trying to comprehend what the hell was happening. But what happened next left us sleepless for a few nights. He kept walking towards one of the waiting cars. Inside the car was a woman, blonde, about 30 years old, staring at the traffic light, waiting for the light to switch. He came closer to her car. Closer and closer. And we thought she will get a huge shock any second now when she sees him, but... nothing. She kept looking straight to the traffic light. She must have seen him. He was right in front of her car, but she didn't show any reaction at all, as if she wasn't able to see him. Then it got weirder. He put his arm on her car, standing right in front of it, leaning on the car, looking straight into her eyes. He was looking at her so intensely, we thought she already was in shock because she showed absolutely no sign of a reaction. After a good 10 seconds, which felt like 10 minutes to us, he climbed on the car, turned around, and started sitting, legs right in front of the driver's window, facing to the front. For us, it seemed like he hypnotized her. I've never seen anyone holding such an intense eye contact instead of maybe a magician or mind-reading show. So he was sitting, legs crossed, on top of the front of her car, Right before her eyes. Since he was sitting in her line of sight, she shouldn't have been able to see the road and therefore shouldn't have been able to drive. But when the light turned green, she started driving. The other car, which was right next to her, didn't seem to see him either. The second car took a right turn at the crossing, and the car with the guy on top kept driving straight. Almost in shock, we ran onto the crossing, looking after the car as long as we could. He was sitting on the car that was driving 50 kilometers an hour, and the driving woman didn't even seem to notice. Completely confused, we were running back and forth, hitting our arms on our heads, and we tried to put at least some sense into what just happened. It may not sound very scary just by reading it, but in that small town, even seeing someone in a coat like that is completely off the regular, especially at that time in the night, in the middle of the week, and not on a weekend. At first we thought it might have been a prank and we were looking for a camera guy. Nothing. Then we thought, maybe the car that took a right turn was filming our reaction and the other car, but there was just a single person sitting inside that didn't even pay attention to what's happening to their left. We then thought about ghosts, demons, hypnotics, etc. When we finally calmed down after like 30 minutes of theorizing, my friend decided to go home. I went upstairs again her house is not even five minutes away from mine. When I was upstairs, lighting another cigarette, I got a call. It was her again, completely freaked out. They are here, she said with a shaking voice. He is still on top. The car with the guy on top was driving in the opposite direction of her when she went home, so it must have taken a huge circle around the town just to come back into the direction where the guy climbed on the car. More than 30 minutes later, and that guy was still sitting on the car. He didn't move at all. The woman still didn't show any reaction, and they both didn't care about my friend who just saw them while they passed her. Although I didn't see that part myself, I believe my friend. She's not one to bullshit, and that shaky voice just showed me that she's telling the truth. The days after that incident, we both kept checking the news. We thought about a kidnapping, we were looking for articles about a missing woman, about an accident. Anything and everything. In a small town like that, every car accident made it into the regional papers. But absolutely nothing. After a few weeks, we both weren't sure anymore because we just couldn't believe what we'd witnessed. But until today, every time we think back and talk about it, we are completely covered in goosebumps. even know what to think about that story it is completely mind-boggling and confusing and i don't know why the spirit would be following this girl unless he's kind of like some harbinger of death who would you know sit on your car and you're gonna die in an accident but nothing seemed to have happened to her so i don't know and i don't like it and now i have goosebumps haha oh fuck learn the hard lesson that some of us learn while living in campus housing Sure, we expect crappy roommates or cramped spaces, but we never expect our new housing to be... haunted. Hey everyone, so a little bit of a backstory. I moved across the country a few months ago for school and I live in an off-campus apartment that's leased by the school. I've been having some very strange and frightening occurrences in this apartment and I have to tell someone about it and hopefully get some insight on what the hell I should do. The first thing I remember happening was very mild as most paranormal experiences start out. I was lying in bed drawing when I saw motion out of the corner of my eye. And when I looked up, my bathroom door handle slowly turned and the door opened. Mind you, it has a long handle so I could clearly see it turn and this door is a pain in the ass to open, let alone on its own. I stared in disbelief for a couple of seconds. A million rationalizations were running through my mind and I couldn't make sense of any of them. I don't remember being scared I was just extremely confused. This particular door opens on its own every single day without fail, and multiple people have claimed they felt something tug on the door when they try to close it. I've also had some absolutely horrifying sleep paralysis episodes, which might not be related, but I feel are worth noting, where a tall, shadowy figure emerges from the door and creeps toward me until its hands are around my neck and I'm gasping for breath. Side note, I've made it a habit to close the door whenever I leave, and after I regain consciousness from these episodes, sometimes the door will be open. That might just be me being forgetful, though. At least, that's what I tell myself. Doors opening and nightmares weren't even the beginning of it, though. One night, my roommate and I were in our living room when all of a sudden there was a giant cluttering sound coming from my room. It sounded as if someone was rummaging through my stuff very violently. We all looked at each other and immediately thought someone broke in. So we armed ourselves and cracked open the door only to find no one in the room and all of my belongings scattered around. My tapestries were torn down. My makeup was thrown around every corner of my room and my bed sheets were ripped off. I've had a lot of paranormal occurrences in the past But in that moment, I experienced a fear I've never felt before. My roommates and I saged our apartment after that, and things were okay for a while, aside from my door opening and the occasional fallen objects. Things quieted down for a bit. I became heavily involved in my schoolwork and didn't really have time to think about demons. They were really the least of my problems. But today, things have begun to escalate. As I was sitting in class, my roommate walked in with a startled look on her face and said, I thought you hadn't left yet. I raised my eyebrow and she explained that as she was leaving our apartment, she heard her name being called from my room. She responded, yeah, but didn't get a reply so she just left. My roommate is not one to make stuff up like that and her and her family are very cognizant of the paranormal world. I told her that it was really strange, and hoped that it was a one-time thing, but apparently not. We got home from class today, and all of our cupboards were open, and both of our bedroom doors were locked. We exchanged our, what the fucks, and went to investigate. We searched the apartment for something, or someone, but to no avail. We met back in our kitchen and talked about what was happening, when all of a sudden, we heard a loud crash coming from her room. Simultaneously, we stopped conversing and I said, You heard that too, right? So cliche, I know. She immediately went towards the sound and discovered that her bathroom door, the closet door, and the washer and dryer were all open. We didn't say a word, casually left the apartment, and haven't come back since. So, what do I do in this situation? I have 10 weeks of school left and unfortunately... Switching apartments or moving out isn't an option. Okay, well, I would start doing some energy work to protect your space. If you have left the apartment entirely, I would do some couch surfing so you don't have to return. Then, once your lease is up, leave it for the next patron to get spooked. Chandra emailed the show recently and attached a really creepy picture that sent chills up my spine. She gives you background into how that picture came to be. You can check it out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Hello, Lainey. I absolutely adore your podcast. I have listened to every episode more than once. They are informative and spooky. Now on to why I'm emailing you. I grew up in a house in Pasco, Washington from the age of 3 until I was about 10. When I was 7 years old, I had a fever of roughly 108 degrees which almost killed me. I ended up living, obviously. But since that happened to me, I had felt watched by a protective sort of presence everywhere in the home. The included picture is from Christmas the same year I almost died. This picture was taken on a camera with a legitimate roll of film, not digital, and it has been verified as real. The two people who you see in the room with me are unknown to everyone in the family. They are not in my family, not friends. They weren't physically in the house when we lived there, and certainly not in the house when the picture was taken. Also, they are see-through, and the area where they are is basically another room superimposed onto the room I was in. Just check out that 80s everything. For just one of the experiences I remember happening as a youngster, just outside of my bedroom in that house, we had a couple of couches set up facing an old TV, that had a knob to change the channels. So you had to physically touch it to change the channel. It also had a VCR connected to the TV to record shows. With that setup, the TV had to actually be on whatever channel you wanted to record. When I was by myself trying to watch TV, the channel would just change, seemingly by itself. I would get annoyed and actually yell, stop being rude, and it would stop. As an adult, I can say I am rather certain it was a little boy being his version of playful. As a kid, it wasn't remotely playful. If you want some more stories about another house I lived in or hotels I have worked in which were super haunted, elevators going to and from floors when completely empty, shadows, sounds, let me know. Best wishes, Chandra. I definitely asked Chandra for more stories, so if we get any more, I'll be sure to include them in future episodes. Now, Juliana has an equally haunting story and an encounter that happened in the woods. Typical. let me start by saying that I just found your podcast today and have already binged all the episodes. After listening, I was inspired to tell you my stories. And I apologize that this is going to be long. I have had the fortune or misfortune of living in a haunted house. I also want to tell you about something that happened in the woods a number of years ago, which to this day frightens me more than anything else. The house I grew up in was built in 1902. It's large and beautiful. I've always been able to feel when things are wrong, when there's an energy in a place which doesn't like that I'm there or wants to hurt me. My dad's always been the same way ever since he was little, though my mom never seems to feel anything, even when my dad and I are in agreement that something's not right. This is all to say that I feel like I have a pretty good idea of when things are dangerous versus when they aren't. I've rarely ever felt threatened by anything in my house. Most of the time, I just see child-sized shadows dart through a doorway or around a corner. Things get moved sometimes, but it's nothing malicious. It feels more playful than anything else. I've heard what sounded like people talking, but like I'm hearing it with a blanket over my head. I even once saw what looked like a woman looking at me through a window in my room, even though my room is on the second floor. None of these experiences have ever felt dark. This is not to say that nothing frightening has ever happened to me in my house. One time, when I was about 14, I was hanging out with my mom while she worked in a bookstore in our neighborhood. I was getting bored and decided to go home. Since it was in the middle of the day, both of my parents were at work, so no one should have been home. I walked in through the back door and started towards the stairs to go up to my bedroom. I distinctly remember both my dog and cat being in the living room on the ground floor, neither looking scared or worried. One thing to know is that my staircase has a landing where the stairs turn a full 180, so you can't see the top if you're at the bottom. As I begin to go up the stairs... I think I only got one or two steps up when I heard really heavy footsteps on the second floor. It sounded like a man in boots walking around. I was frozen. I knew that no one was home. I turned to double-check that the pets were still in the living room and not making those noises. My cat bolted for the basement, and my dog was whimpering from under the sofa. Then I heard the footsteps stop at the top of the stairs. And a really loud man's voice just started yelling. I can't remember anything he was saying because I was running as fast as I could. I was honestly convinced that someone had broken into my house and I had almost come face to face with a burglar. I got back to the bookstore where my mom was and she called the cops. They showed up, did a sweep of the house, and didn't find anything. No burglar, no evidence of a break in at all, nothing was taken, nothing was even out of place. I don't know what that was, but thank God it never happened again, nor have I ever again felt that presence. For a bit of background to this last thing, my grandparents live really far north in Minnesota, by the Canadian border on the Lake Superior side of the state. They live in the middle of the woods. Literally, when I say woods, I'm talking nothing but trees and the odd cabin for miles in any direction. I'm in college now, but when I was in grade school, My family would go stay with them for a few weeks every year. It's honestly amazing up there, probably one of my favorite places in the world. I've seen all kinds of wildlife, and I promise this is important. I've seen bear, wolves, moose, lynx, foxes, everything that's up there. My grandparents have always had Norwegian elk hounds, which are basically huskies but slightly small and less sassy. And they have trails in the parts of the woods around their house where we walk the dogs. So this one time, I'm in high school, and my family was up there for Christmas. My grandma and I go out to walk the dog. It's about 3 p.m., and it gets dark up there really early, so we had about an hour-ish before the sunset. She's got one dog, and I have the other, and we go on one of the trails we go on all the time. We get about 20 minutes into the woods, we can't see the house, and are totally surrounded by trees. I begin to notice that it's gotten really quiet. All the animals have stopped making noises, and the only thing I can hear is us walking in snow and the wind in the trees. Then both dogs just stop. They are both staring in the same direction. I swear, neither of those dogs would go forward for anything in the world. And these are dogs that have and will stand up to bears. I look at my grandma to see what's wrong, and I see the look on her face. That is the most scared I have ever seen her in my life. All of a sudden, this noise starts. I'm not sure I can even describe it. It was low and sounded like it was coming from everywhere all at once. It was like nothing I've ever heard. It wasn't any animal I knew, that's for sure. It sounded somewhere between human and animal, but also like nothing normal at all. And it triggered something in me, like, some innate fear, like being face to face with something that is a step above you on the food chain. My grandma turned to me and whispered, turn around and go back to the house. Walk quickly, but do not run. And don't say anything. I'll be right behind you. Needless to say, I did as I was told. The noise stopped soon after we turned back. Both me and my grandma, as well as both the dogs, got back to the house physically fine, but totally shaken. I'd never seen my grandma nor the dog so scared. I also had never felt such deep fear before or since. I was too scared to talk about what happened for the rest of that trip. When my grandparents came down to our house over the summer, I finally asked my grandma what that was that we heard. She said, it was a Wendigo. I'm still just, I don't know. It was definitely something terrible and unnatural, that's for sure. Has anyone else ever been through something like that? Any ideas on if my grandma was right, and did we almost run into a wendigo? Also, what in the world was that man on the stairs? Thanks for taking the time to read, Juliana. Juliana, I have zero freaking clue about the man on the stairs— and I wonder why he would be so angry. Maybe he felt you had disturbed him and was warding you off from the house. Or maybe he was alerting you to some other danger that may have come if you'd stayed. It obviously worked and kept you away from the house for a little while. Now, the Wendigo, aka the flesh eater of the forest, would creep me the hell out. I trust my animals, so if they're like, hey, this is a no-go zone, then we turn around and go another way. And when my dog Squirt looks around the house and follows random trails of whatever he's seeing in the sky, um, I definitely pull out my sage and bless my house again. Anyways, this is to say that I don't know if you encountered a Wendigo, but I am really glad you didn't. Dave L. submitted a story via our website, and I just knew it had to be included in this episode. This is long, so I'm going to get right into it. I have a bad habit of working in haunted places. I think I've worked in at least four in my career as a bar and restaurant manager. The last one being the most active. I'm either drawn to these places or something has been following me. The first one wasn't too bad. It was in a bar that has been around forever and had a history of unexplained happenings. The bar was in the basement. Our kitchen and restaurant were above us. We closed on Sundays, but one Sunday, I opened for an event. I got there early to set up. I can't remember what I was doing at the time, but I heard someone walking upstairs in the restaurant slash kitchen. I thought that our purchasing manager might be there and went up to say hi. When I got to the back door of the kitchen, I found it locked. This was odd, but I thought she may have locked herself in for whatever reason. I walked around to the front of the building only to find that locked as well. Looking in the windows, I swear I saw someone walk away in the back of the room. I called her to tell her I was here and not to be alarmed if she heard something downstairs in the bar. She had no idea what I was talking about. She was at home. No one was in the restaurant. Another time, in the same bar, I had a guest come outside to smoke. She was clearly troubled. I asked her if something was wrong. She answered with a question about if there had been any reported paranormal activity in the place. Long story short, it was a quiet night at the bar, and she used the restroom. She said she was the only one in there when she walked in. She was sitting in one stall when she heard the door to the stall next to her slam. Hard. The door to the bathroom makes a very loud distinctive squeak when it opens. Nothing happened to me in the next place. It focused mainly on one of my coworkers. It would do mischievous things like push cups off of the shelf and change radio stations while we were getting ready for the night. One time, it pushed an entire bottle of Jack Daniels off the shelf. When we heard the crash, we looked down at the bar to the two people sitting there. Their eyes were wide. They watched the bottle slide from the shelf all by itself. No one was in the building but us. Now, on to the main event. The last place I worked was an old house built at the turn of the 20th century. It had been repurposed as a restaurant for years before I started there, but I don't think all the prior residents left. When I first started there, I joked with the staff asking if the place was haunted. All the long-term staff said yes, without hesitation. A prior manager of the bar told me a story about how he set all the menus on the tables, went to the office for a second, and then when he came back, all the menus were flipped upside down. It didn't take long for me to confirm that something was going on in this place. The restaurant was four stories, office on the top floor, seating area on the second floor, Kitchen and bar with some seating on the first, and the basement housed the prep kitchen, beer coolers, and storage. Activity was present on all floors. Almost every morning around 6 a.m., the doorknob to the office floor would jiggle, like someone was trying to open the door. Alarms to the back receiving area would trip when they weren't set. One of the cooks reported someone walking around the basement when he was down there prepping. At the end of one night, I was using the restroom on the first floor when someone ran down the stairs to the basement, then right back up to the first floor. When I walked out to the main seating area, one of our cooks was sitting there. I remarked that he was brave running downstairs in the dark. He just looked at me, then swore that he hadn't moved from the spot he was sitting in. One morning, I was speaking to the director of operations, and we both heard a loud bang from the second floor. He asked me what happened. I blamed it on Reggie. I had named the ghost Reggie and had a feeling that it was a little boy for some reason. Asking who Reggie was, I told him that it was our resident ghost. Using some colorful words, he told me that I was crazy. He was a non-believer. I went upstairs to check on the noise and as we were the only two people in the building, the noise went unexplained. Activity was so usual, staff would just ignore it or tell Reggie to cut the shit. Most of it was innocent enough. That is, until he almost burned the building down. One of the good things about this company was we closed on holidays. It was Memorial Day weekend when this happened. I was training a new manager at the time. I'll call him Mark. I had a specific routine when I closed, and I have never had an issue when going through said routine. At the end of the night, Mark and I were going through the kitchen, checking everything and making sure everything was turned off. This included physically turning the knobs to the grill, stove, and oven. During these rounds, Mark and I noticed a pilot light for one of the burners was out. Mark took a toothpick, lit it on another pilot light, and lit the extinguished one. Now, if you have ever tried to light a burner with the gas open, you know you will get a full face of fire for your efforts. This did not happen to Mark. The pilot lit, and we made our way through the rest of the kitchen and closed for the night. The next day we were open. I was met by the executive chef and he was not happy. The executives were responsible for checking on the restaurant on days we were closed. He was the one that checked my store. When I asked him how everything looked, he told me that I had left a burner on overnight and he was pissed. He took me back to the kitchen and sure enough, there was a large black scorch mark on the backsplash of the stove. Knowing full well that I hadn't left a burner on, I went to look at the security cameras. There I was, walking through with Mark, turning all knobs off. Mark could be seen lighting the pilot. Then we both were seen finishing our checks and leaving. The security cameras were motion sensitive. About 10 minutes after we turned the lights off and left, the cameras went dark. Sometime after, the kitchen cameras activated. A minute or two later, the burner that Mark had lit the pilot for fired to life, full blast if that burner was turned on when mark lit the pilot he would have been missing some eyebrows the only regret i have is not getting a copy of that footage i may have been able to forgive reggie for almost getting me fired no pun intended if he didn't follow me home a couple times at home i had my shoes next to the door one was on top of the other almost perpendicular when i walked by the top shoe moved and landed next to the bottom one I didn't think much of this. Weird stuff happens sometimes. And if that was the end of it, or if it was isolated to just shoes moving, I would have been okay with it. Unfortunately, it wasn't isolated to just moving shoes. I suddenly woke up one night for an unknown reason. I didn't hear anything, but something felt off. I looked over to the other side of the bed and saw a shadow hovering over my girlfriend. I couldn't make anything out at first, but then it moved cliche as it may be, it was darker than the shadows in the room and it had a human shape. My heart was already pounding and it nearly burst from my chest when the shadow stood up and then moved toward the door of the bedroom. I turned on my bedside light and jumped from bed waking her up in the process. I told her to stay in bed and went to look for whatever was just there. The door was still closed, all doors and windows were locked and nothing was in the apartment. I have my ideas about what it was, and it was not necessarily Reggie. After that, not too much happened as far as activity in that apartment. I have recently moved in the last few months, and my dog has taken to the habit of sitting on the corner of my bed and staring at something in the corner of the room. He doesn't growl, he doesn't whine, he just stares. When I call him, he looks back at me, then turns back to whatever has his attention. Maybe Reggie is back. Quick side note. As I was writing the part about seeing the entity, my computer started going haywire, buttons getting stuck, then the keyboard quit working, and Jackson, my dog, started growling in his sleep. Well, I hope this met your expectations and was creepy enough for you. You have a great show. Thank you for the work you do. Next time, I'll see if my cousin will tell me about the house she used to live in. It was legit haunted too, complete with medium readings and bones buried under the porch. Happy haunting. Dave. Well, that sufficiently freaked me out, and I literally talked about sport, just kind of staring at things in my bedroom, and Dave mentioned it in his story, and now my house is haunted. So thank you, Dave. Our final story comes from Melissa at the Haunted Ride podcast. I asked my pod friends to submit a story of any spooky encounters they had, and, well, let's just say, she did not disappoint. Hi Lainey, heard you were looking for a story. Well, here's one that was definitely scary for me. I hope you like it. I lived in a haunted house for the majority of my life growing up, and it has given me several experiences. This was one of the more violent or more physical ones, and I hope you enjoy it. The house I lived in had three bedrooms. The first was my mother's, the second most of the time was mine, and the third bedroom held a portal in the closet. Whenever I slept in my bedroom, I noticed the activity was worse than when I slept in the third bedroom. By this point, I had fully acknowledged that our house was haunted, and had taken steps to try to protect myself such as setting up shields, keeping lights on in the house, etc. In the closet of my bedroom, there was this horrible black mass that would come out at night. When it first began to appear, it took the shape of fog, always at the bottom of the floor, but then it would grow denser and heavier until you couldn't see anything but it. It was only about three feet tall, but it spanned the entire closet in width and was blacker than the blackness surrounding it. While I don't remember physically seeing eyes, in my mind's eye I could see them. They were white, and the look on its face was just menacing, and it clearly said, The second you slip up, I'm going to hurt you. On the night this event happened, I wasn't feeling very well and had slept almost the entire day, only waking up to eat. This meant I did not put up my shield nor turn on any of the lights I would sleep with. At 3am, I woke up and realized the entire room was dark. I turned on one of my lights, tried to go back to bed, but couldn't. For some reason, I wanted to change my purse, which meant that I had to go into the closet I was nervous knowing the energy was in there and it really seemed like a stupid idea to go into the closet, but I was bored and it was something I really wanted to do. I waited for a while and finally got the courage to go in. I flicked on the closet light, pulled out a purse and something in me told me to move. It shouted at me too, and the second I did the entire closet shelf came crashing down. It was so loud it woke my mother and then boyfriend up and they came running in to find everything on the floor and the shelf exactly where I had been standing. It had been pulled out of the wall, but the screws which held the shelf were still in place. My mother did not believe me when I told her what happened, but her boyfriend did because he couldn't explain how a shelf could just be pulled out of the wall when all of the fastenings were still in the wall. I hoped you liked this story and that it was something you were looking for. Thanks for an amazing podcast. to say I liked it is an understatement and I also feel bad for liking it. Throughout this whole episode, I've gotten chills and goosebumps, and I'm kinda glad that it's over now. Okay, well that wraps up this episode. If you'd like to submit your own personal spooky tale to be read on the show, head to hauntedpod.com and click on the link to submit your story. You can also email me your story at hauntedpod at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, Please be sure to leave a positive review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast player of choice. It really does help us out. You can find us on Twitter at podcast underscore haunted or at hauntedpod.com. Audio engineering provided by Ches Gray, who manages Ches Gray Music. The official composer for the show is Nico at We Talk of Dreams. Check him out on Twitter at We Talk of Dreams or WeTalkOfDreams.com. Until next time. Did you hear that?